passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. of Thunderstruck, our look back at the career of one Jushin Thunder Liger, as uh, told by his greatest matches, or most memorable matches in some cases, uh, as picked by each and every unique standalone guest of this podcast series. Uh, my name is WH Park. I, of course, am the co-host of the Post Perez podcast here at postwrestling.com, along with John Pollock. Uh, joining me today... Uh, is a special guest, a, a person I've talked to a couple of times already now, both on uh, the Cruel Summer series, as well as doing a, a review of a New Japan show emanating from California. Uh, he is professional wrestler from Australia, Davis Storm. Davis, how are you today? I'm good, thanks, Matt. Very nice to join you here again on the uh, post-wrestling platform. Really looking, uh, really looking forward to chatting about this match of Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about like you know liger and like you like your fandom of liger a bit but just just for those listeners who might not have maybe heard us talk on the uh what was that the uh the california show that we did from yep. post wrestling a while ago but what what does da- what does jushin liger mean to you i know there was like a point where you know you were you're trying to get get a match with him that that didn't go anywhere unfortunately uh but like it it would have meant something like it would have been a, a like a kind of a momentous occasion in your career if you were able to like have some kind of uh, interaction with Liger before he retired. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, as wrestlers, we all have uh, guys who we want to work with, who we have a, a fair amount of respect for, and then there are. I think this would be the equivalent of. Uh, I've heard Edge talk about how working with Hogan was such a big thrill for him because Hogan was such a huge influence on his career and. A uh, guy he looked up to when he was a kid, and I guess that's how I feel about Liger. That my first exposure to Liger was through the PWI uh, after mags, and how he he just had this character that leapt off the page. At I, I suppose I would have been about twelve years old at the time when I first saw him, and to hear through the magazines, not actually be able to get any footage at the time, but to hear of this guy who did backflips through the air and work this style that you know I'd, I'd never witnessed before in a WWF ring at the time um, it just it, it made me look at this guy and and he really is he's a superhero and I think the wrestlers that have the influence on us in our younger years are the ones that we just we look at them in a completely different way I think once we grow up and we look at wrestling in a different way and we start to appreciate things like work rate and 
and the the subtleties of character work that we look at wrestling in a completely different way. And while I can absolutely appreciate Liger on that level as well, because he's he's a real game changer in the game of professional wrestling, I think he's still just that that boyhood hero to me who I looked up to. He's he's the Ninja Turtles, he's the X Men, he's all of those things combined with a professional wrestler for me. And uh, I've just been a huge fan of him for the last 25, 30 years. From a purely you know professional wrestling point of view, from a purely in-ring point of view, how, how would you feel about, how do you feel about his contribution to like the, the way wrestling is presented, like especially for like junior heavyweights? I think he's been revolutionary. And I, I don't think that's a controversial take at all. I think most people look at him as the guy who who revolutionized and, and brought together a bunch of styles as well. And I, I'd say, you know, there are some other names who would have traveled in the same period of time who I'm sure are responsible for that as well, for, for this melding of styles. But um, Owen, Owen Hart would probably be one who you'd throw into that equation as well. But guys who who traveled the world and picked up a British style of wrestling is a very distinct style. Lucha Libre is a very distinct style and pro wrestler is a very distinct style as well. And there were a few guys who were able to fuse these styles together. And, and that became, that became, I suppose what we would think of as the, the indie style that really, really uh, led to the first indie boom, probably in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands. And he was responsible for that style. And I think it's it's quite possible to say that the current landscape of wrestling wouldn't look like it does without the influence of Jushin Liger. And that's not something that at the end of the day, a lot of wrestlers are going to be able to say at the end of their career, that the way they wrestled was not just something that was admired, but that he's actually, he's changed the way that people wrestle over the last 25 years. And his ability to adapt to his circumstances. And he's so well-versed in so many different areas of wrestling that how many people can have a brain tumor removed and return to the ring and not look like they've lost a step. He was completely able to adapt his style in a completely different way. And he, he became a different Liger while still having an, enough of the the old tropes and, and being able to keep enough of what it was that we already loved about him uh, together. It, he's just a phenomenon. How would you say he's influenced your own personal style of wrestling? So Liger was the one that opened me to the world of Japanese wrestling. And I know we've talked previously that for me, the, the two styles of wrestling that influenced me the most, and that's of course not, not uh, taking into consideration that it was the late 80s WWF that sort of got me watching in the first place. But Liger was what drew me to to seek out Japanese wrestling in the first place. And the two styles that have probably influenced me the most in terms of what I wanted to do was the uh, mid to late 90s uh, New Japan junior style and the heavyweights of all Japan probably through the same period. So without without having been subjected to Liger in these magazines, without ha- picking up this influence of, of wanting to to seek more of what this guy was about and, and see more of what he was about, 
And then through him being exposed to so many other amazing wrestlers, uh, he's, he's had an incredible influence on my career without ever having spoken to the man or, or have met him. I've, I've been fortunate enough to see him wrestle, li- uh, wrestle live twice, once in Australia and once in Brooklyn. And both times, total, total fluke uh, opportunities. I'll, I'll, it's, it's, it's strange to think that Jushin Liger versus Chris Benoit happened in my hometown of Perth, which is the most isolated capital city in the world. Um, and I just heard about it at the, at the very last minute. This would have been in, I think, maybe 91 or, or 1992. And then just by some freak chance, uh, a friend who was traveling with my brother and a, a good friend of mine had to come home before the NXT Brooklyn show that Liger appeared on against, uh, who did he wrestle then? Tyler Breeze. Uh, Tyler Breeze. That's right. Um, and I just caught a last minute flight to, to New York to, to catch him live there, which again was just a pure, pure chance that I've, I've been able to catch him live twice, but very appreciative of those opportunities. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, this, this is not a man that I've ever met that I've ever trained under. And yet his, his style and, and the way he's trained and the way that he's, He's, he's influenced me greatly without ever having spoken a word to me or a step foot in the ring with me. Yeah, I would, uh, I would like think that anyone who has a chance to like see, you know, like Liger live, please take it. I mean, you went to the extremes. You, you, you caught a flight from Australia all the way to Brooklyn, New York. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about the match that you picked. Davis, tell us about uh, what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about a match that took place in 1997, February of 97, between Koji Kanemoto and Jushin Thunder Liger, who, I, I, and I think a lot of people would be able to say this, that I think Kanemoto was probably, uh, Liger is, is maybe the main rival in the, the New Japan story of Koji Kanemoto, but that you might not be able to say the same for Liger. Liger has so many great rivals that it's probably hard to single it down to one, but Liger was just a constant thorn in the side of Kanemoto through his entire New Japan career. And I, I, I didn't know exactly which match I was going to single it down to because I just love watching these two guys wrestle. But uh, availability definitely played a part in it when I went looking for matches between Liger and Kanemoto. And this was the first one that I was able to come across. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good choice. Uh, February 16th, 1997, Fighting Spirit 1997 show from Sumo Hall in uh, Ryogoku in Tokyo. It is for the J-Crown title, Davis, the, uh, the massive uh, eight-belt uh, you know, uh, t- title cha- championship that, that Liger had uh, won from. I forget who he won it from. Was it Ultimo Dragon? I think it was from Ultimo Dragon. I- yeah, I think I think so. I couldn't say with any certainty, but I think I think Dragon and Liger are the two that oh and Sasuke, I suppose, are the ones that we associate most closely with it. Yeah, so like you're saying about like the, the, the relationship between Jushin Liger and Koji Kanemoto, they are definitely like people that are synonymous with each other's rivals in, in the nineteen nineties especially. But you know, like of the Pantheon of Jushin Liger rivals. I'd have to put like, you know, up there is of course now Kisano. I would think his like first major program and feud was with him after he became Liger. 
definitely Koji Kanemoto, definitely, you know, Wild Pegasus Chris Benoit. You'd have to throw in uh, Shinjiro Otani, one of Kanemoto's regular tag partners in that mix as well. And like even like in, in as far as the American wrestler goes, Brian Pillman, like that's kind of what introduced Liger to the American audience was like the, the program he had with Pillman in WCW over the uh, WCW light heavyweight title. But, you know, for when I got introduced to Japanese wrestling where I was getting like tapes and then later DVDs of shows, it's like, who's this guy? Kanemoto. He's awesome. Like, cause he's does this kind of style where like, you know, he's a high flyer to some degree, but he does a very, you know, very shoot shooty kind of a style, a lot of kicks, a lot of stiff kicks and a lot of like, Dickish behavior, which, which you know, matches the kind of behavior of, like, his tag team partner that I mentioned, Shinjiro Otani. Yeah, they seem to have this uh, – it was actually something I was going to bring up also. that Their entire careers, they just seem to have a chip on their shoulder, and uh, that that led to a very natural rivalry with, with Liger, that um, these these were, at, at the time, young guys breaking in, but they just – they never – there was nothing about Otani or Kanemoto that uh, said that they were going to take a backward step in any situation. They were, they were extremely confrontational. They were constantly in your face, constantly disrespectful. And while you, while you got the sense that they, there was a, there was a sense of honor to them still, they were just, they were just brutal and relentless and disrespectful all the time they just they never ever turned it off and i mean that that led to a, a moment between liger and kanemoto when uh kanemoto was unmasked as tiger mask three and he you know there was no there was no shame and there was no taking a backward step in that moment he he threw the mask at liger and i think if anything that just led to the animosity between them intensifying over the years Oh, yeah. So let's get into the match here. Uh, so Liger, as we said, is the reigning and defending J-Crown champion. Uh, we opened the video with the uh, the swimsuit models, the J-Crown swimsuit models, holding <laughs> up all the, all the belts behind Liger. So the whole gimmick with this is that, you know, like the it's eight it's eight titles. It's eight championship belts. So like the champion is not going to come out holding all eight titles. So what they did was that usually like Liger would wear the IWGP. Uh, title belt and then he'd have like i think about you know three or four models swimsuit models walking behind him holding all the other belts and then you know they come into the ring they'd stand behind the champion uh and then like in this case like we have the the title match proclamation being done by uh new japan legend seiji sakaguchi and as he's uh he's introducing liger uh they do the he wants to collect all the title belts and show them to kanemoto and then present them to the fans and then have the match so you know liger grabs a belt from one of the models gives it to sakaguchi grabs another belt gives it to sakaguchi (laughs) this this takes up about a good five minutes of the, the 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 time of this this match here davis yeah, it's 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 great to see this. There's so much. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's such a huge presentation, and I think that that helps add to the prestige of the match. That they're, you know, they they are such great career rivals, but also that there are these eight title belts on the line, and to to not disrespect any of those titles, to take all of them and sort of put them on a level pegging by by handing them over individually and and not just 
only respecting the IWGP junior title and then just throwing the rest to the side. He he has a great deal of respect for all of the title belts. Oh, definitely. I think maybe the word maybe we're thinking of is uh, pageantry. Yes, absolutely. Definitely some uh, swimsuit pageantry on display in this match in the uh, the, the title ceremony. So uh, we get a good shot of uh, Kanemoto's corner, and we see in his corner is Shinjiro Tani and Chris Jericho. Uh, I think at this point, like in Jericho's career, he was aligned with Kanemoto and Otani, and I believe Tatsuhiro Takaiwa as well, against like you know uh, people like Liger. And in his corner, we see El Samurai. So El Samurai, I would assume, like while Pegasus is maybe on the side of Liger, and if, if Eddie Guerrero as Black Tiger 2 is around, that he would be on that side. I'm not sure if this is the period where like... Benoit, Liger, uh, Eddie, and and uh, El Samurai had formed the Junior Horsemen, and they were like feuding with like Otani and Kanemoto and all of their allies. Sure, Time, timelines very much confuse me in terms of the the comings and goings of uh, Guerrero and Benoit in Japan. So yeah, like yourself, I'm not I'm not too certain, but it was definitely noticeable that uh, you know Kanemoto had the three in his corner and just El Samurai in Liger's corner all by himself yeah both men get uh, big cheers from the crowd as their names are announced uh, things are intense right away at the start of this match with a strong collar and elbow lockup followed by a heated strike exchange between these two these guys aren't messing around they're getting right into it Davis yeah there's there's like I said before there's no backward steps with Kanemoto so they they immediately pushed to the ropes. Actually, one one thing I loved at the very beginning was just as soon as the bell rings, Kanemoto rushes to seize the middle of the ring. And to me, this this speaks volumes of he's he's saying to Liger, not only will I not take a backward step, but this is my ring. I'm taking the center of the ring. He he rushed out very much. I just uh, have been watching the uh, with UFC 245 coming up. I'm, I just watched the Colby Covington uh, Rafael Dos Anjos fight and the 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 way Colby comes out as well, same thing. He shoots right to the middle of the cage and it just to me, it, it asserts a sense of dominance right from the beginning that Kanemoto just comes charging out of the blocks and he, he concedes the middle, but to me it's just a little bit of a statement that this is my ring and if you wanna if you wanna beat me, you're gonna have to come and meet me in the center of the ring. Well, like Kanemoto does like kind of take charge of the match. He starts going after Liger's left leg with these vicious kicks, and then he transitions into this uh, kind of a standing ankle lock. So not only taking ownership of the middle of the ring, of the match itself, but of, of Liger's left leg here, Davis, with these vicious kicks. The, <laughs> there's no thigh slapping here. These, <laughs> but every single one of these kicks just rings out when it makes contact with Liger. Kanemoto just holds nothing back, and you know if I can if I can just give a uh, a big name drop here. I remember talking to uh, my buddy Fergal Devitt uh, many many years ago when he first started in New Japan, and I I asked him about Kanemoto because I I admired him so much, and. I, I asked him to explain what wrestling Kanemoto was like. And he said, you feel like you're a man with the apple on your head. <laughs> he, he just said, he said, you feel the entire time like you are just seconds away from disaster, that his, his kicks are so expertly placed and so strong and so fierce that you, you could be just a, a, a hair away from disaster, but just, 
he's that good that just you're you're able to walk away with your life every single time. Well, that's an awesome insight. Uh, that's why we have you on here, Davis, for for these insights from like uh, your connections to people who've uh, wrestled uh, other people in New Japan for wrestling. Uh, from here, uh, I gotta say, Kanemoto looks like he's bored doing limb work uh, already in this match, and he just decides to kick the shit out of Liger's back instead. You know, ah, legs, I'm bored. I'm gonna kick his back instead. He just goes to goes to town on his back instead. You know. He's so dominant throughout this. I mean, the first almost 10 minutes of the match is just Kanemoto on pure offense. And he's either working that leg of Liger or he's just flailing away at him, just kicking at him any way that he can. And it's there almost seems like this dangerous recklessness to the way that Kanemoto strikes. That There, there seems to be very little care in the way that he strikes. He just, whatever you present to him, he just uses that as an opportunity to kick and you know, early Liger seems to try and engage him in the ground game after a while, kind of realizing that he's not going to be able to get away from Kanemoto that easily. He tries to engage in the ground game, but but Kanemoto's just all over him. Yeah, Kanemoto does transition back to working on the left leg with kicks there again, and then he applies a leg lock, peppered with some slaps to the face of Liger. Like, this is where we, we you know, the kind of the, the dickish behavior comes out in, in Kanemoto when, when he gets a chance to humiliate his opponent because I'm, I'm sure the slaps hurt, but I'm sure they hurt Liger's pride more than they do physically. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a beautiful moment too where they both they both sit up and Liger, Liger is defiantly sitting up in the, the figure four trying to trying to fight back. And like you said, Kanemoto's just slapping away at him, kind of saying, you know, I don't I don't give a shit whether or not uh, whether or not I'm hurting you here, I'm, contr- I'm controlling you, and you can you can uh, brave through this, and you can you can puff your chest out to me, and I'm just going to slap you in the face. I gotta say, I think Kanemoto was one of the best like kickers in wrestling at this point in history. Like he's up there for me, like with Toshiaki Kawada. Mm. Yeah, I agree. His his striking game is incredible, and I actually remember the first time that I saw Kota Ibushi in a uh, in a New Japan ring, and he uh, the the finish of the the match he had with Kanemoto. He goes for a shooting star press, misses, sits up, and Kanemoto just I have no idea how he didn't just ruin Ibushi's perfect face. But this is just the stiffest kick to the nose I've ever seen in my life. Just straight up the middle, knockout kick, one, two, three, and it, you're right. His his striking game is just on point there there you can't see through anything that he does he's just he's just right there on the money uh, from this point like you kind of think that Kanemoto's strategy seems to be going after different parts of Liger's body and just see what sticks like there's not like a focused attack on any one part really like we talk about the left leg but like I said he goes after the back he you know he starts slapping Liger's face and it like just goes back to the leg again I, I think this is kind of him just throwing everything against the wall even though like you know he, they're doing a worked match and I'm sure they they might have a, a, a you know some idea of like what they want to do in the match look it does seem like Kanemoto's kind of in charge of the match and and kind of like calling all the spots and like Liger's kind of working with him to like you know get him over I think more I think the the point of the match more is to get Kanemoto over as a strong opponent to Liger like in in this match itself but for the future as well yeah I think I think in their their rivalry like I said I think Kanemoto had a reputation of always coming up short in the big moment. So I think 
the the way that he wrestles in this match part of it is that he's he's showing this dominance towards Liger partially I suppose to show his growth as a wrestler and that uh, you know he's not even though he has lost so many so many big matches against Liger that he's not overawed by the occasion and that he's he's going to rise to the occasion. Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting watching the watching the way that he does go about it, where he just really seems to be seems to be more interested in beating him up. I think it's almost he he's on top for maybe the first ten minutes of the match, bar one powerbomb from Liger that he completely no sells, stands back up and just starts kicking the hell out of him again. And uh, I, I don't think he even goes for a pinfall in that entire period. I, I, I think there's one where he just casually leans on Liger's chest, just puts his knee across his chest and Liger just pushes him away. But it seems to be more about asserting his dominance and more about showing Liger that he's, he's, tougher and faster and, and harder than Liger is at this point. And although he hasn't won these big matches in the past, that with the with the J crown on the line, he's finally going to rise to the occasion. Yeah, so he, uh, Kanemoto applies a, a figure four leg lock. And, and, and in the figure four leg lock, he decides to flip the bird to Liger, gives him the big middle finger. Have, have you ever done this, had someone in the movie and just given them a figure? Yeah, of course, of course. That's, has, that's has it ever a, been uh, done to you? Has Damien Slater ever done that to you? <laughs> Not Damien Slater, but a uh, an, an excellent technical wrestler from Perth by the name of Gavin McGavin has certainly put me in that situation. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think I might have reached up and tried to slap him in the face in that moment too. Well, I, I can't really blame you. Such a such a sign of disrespect. Uh, Liger tries to reach the ropes, but uh, Kanemoto butt drags both closer to the center of the ring. Uh, Kanemoto throws uh, some hard slaps to Liger's face in there for good measure. Just nice, just just really great dickish behavior. I'm just absolutely loving this kind of control sequence from Kanemoto. Uh, Liger gets to the ropes to finally force a break and uh, uh, Kanemoto resumes kicking and slapping Liger again. He, he's such a great dickhead wrestler. I like To me, like the greatest dickhead wrestlers are like uh, him, Otani, Jun Akiyama, um, like uh, Shima, or, or Sua from Crazy Max, one of Shima's uh, te- uh, Kenta is you got to put you got to put Kenta in there as well. I, I oh, love yeah, for sure. I love dickhead wrestlers. People are just just disrespectful and just want to beat you up and just kind of just disrespect you at the same time in the ring. Yeah, it's 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 such easy hate because I think it's it's a visceral reaction that we have to it when we watch it. And I know you've recently had that uh, with El Fantasmo that you you feel you feel that he's such a dickhead in the, in those moments and that he's so disrespectful and that the way he goes about it is they draw such a visceral reaction from you that everybody's had someone in their life who's treated them like that who's been disrespectful towards them and and or you know maybe you you feel disrespected in your workplace or whatever i, I think it's one of the the main reasons that austin 316 got over so huge with uh was this? Here's a guy who who went to work and beat up his boss. That everyone feels disrespected on some level, and I think guys like Kanemoto and Otani, they're able to tap into that really primal feeling of of being backed into backed into the corner and and feeling bullied and pushed around. That you want you 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 need to feel the babyface 
fight back for you because you feel you feel that uh, that disrespect and and it makes you want to see someone rise to the occasion. Uh, from here, uh, Kanemoto traps Liger in the corner. He mounts the second rope and then proceeds to rain down these blows on top of Liger's head. Liger is able to hit uh, uh, Kanemoto with the desperation powerbomb that you mentioned earlier. But like you said, Kanemoto recovers very quickly and just resumes his assault on the uh, on the champion here, eventually driving him under the bottom rope to the floor. Uh, Liger quickly gets back in where, where Kanemoto ties Liger into the Tree of Woe. And I, and I made a note here that uh, I believe we can hear the smoke-damaged voice of El Samurai, which uh, prompts Kanemoto to come over to where he is and kick at him as well, like just kick the ropes where he is to like kind of drive him away. Because like, not only did Kanemoto have a like a fierce rivalry with with Liger, but I I think actually maybe he might have had an even like more intense rivalry and some incredible matches with El Samurai. Yeah, look, if if I can, if, I would have loved to have reviewed this match. Actually, I think it's the '97 best of the Super Junior Final between Kanemoto and El Samurai, which is just one of the most incredibly heated matches I've ever seen. And and Kanemoto really does play that dickhead heel to perfection in that match uh amazing match and people should chase that one down if they haven't seen it and people should also try to find videos of of el samurai cutting promos and just to hear how gravelly this man's voice is it's it's like i i do believe it's been said that he smokes about like five packs of cigarettes a day that's incredible that he can still go. <laughs> a lot of people in wrestling are, are heavy smokers. Like Shinsuke Nakamura apparently is a very, very yeah. heavy smoker, but he's got amazing conditioning. It's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think the, the, the true greats can still go to the ring and perform no matter what physical state they're in. I know, I know for me, I've, I've really felt it sometimes and I just can't get up for the occasion. And then when you hear that there are these guys who – and and I witnessed it firsthand with a touring wrestler in, in Perth maybe over a decade ago where he, before the match, he he seemed like he's struggling a bit with his breathing. I think he might have been a smoker also. Went to the ring and just performed amazingly. Just didn't slow down. Uh, just beat, beat our guy to the punch at every turn, uh, who was probably a good decade younger than he was. And then as soon as he came back through the curtain was coughing and spluttering again, but was just a complete pro in the ring. There are just the, the best professionals I think can just go to the ring and perform under any circumstance, which is just amazing to me. Uh, from here, uh, Kanemoto hits a drop kick to Liger's bread basket, which must have sucked. Uh, Kanemoto's uh, nearly 11-minute uh, mugging of Liger leads to him <laughs> planting Liger onto the mat, and then he goes for he goes to the top rope for a moonsault. Uh, fortunately for Liger, he rolls out of the way. Uh, Kanemoto lands on his feet, but Liger is able to uh, hit him with this beautiful-looking shote. So finally... Finally, Liger's able to kind of like get the upper hand on Kanemoto with this kind of one mistake that he makes in this match, which is Kanemoto going for one of his finishing moves at, at pretty much at around the twelve minute mark. Uh, Davis. Yeah, look, this is a to me this moment is just a testament to how good these two are because if you told me, particularly in this modern age, that someone was going to run an 11-minute heat to start their match and that anybody was going to give a shit at that point, I would definitely be surprised. But is just so good at what he does that I, th- I think a lot of people have forgotten, a lot of wrestlers in particular have forgotten what the word heat means. Heat is not the part of the match where 
where the bad guy gets his shit in. It's it's the point of the match where you draw heat. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily need to be through your actions, although in Kanemoto's it is where he's just laying an absolute beating on Liger. But it's also in the way he carries himself. It's also in the way that he disrespects Liger. And all these things add up to us wanting to see Liger, who is an amazing babyface. We want to see him come back. We want to see him fight back. And we want to see him overcome the odds. And I think that the fact that they're able to get through, <clears throat> excuse me, such a long period of hate at the beginning of this match, and the crowd just explodes after that. Kanemoto misses a beautiful moonsault, and then Liger just nails him with the shote, and the crowd just comes alive at this point, and and so does Liger. Yeah, so like you're saying, the crowd just goes nuts because they are ready. They are ready for Liger to beat the shit out of Kanemoto. Liger hits these big palm slaps to to Kanemoto's face, each one expressing a big fuck you to Kanemoto. One fuck you, a second fuck you, a third fuck you, and finally a fourth fuck you in these palm slaps. And he's just like, (laughs) he is just like trying to like perform plastic surgery without a scalpel on Kanemoto's face here, Davis. It's, It's amazing to see. Yeah, how these guys walk away with their jaws intact is just amazing. Uh, he's absolutely nailing him here, and he really needed to. As as a, a babyface, we're willing to ride through 11 minutes of you getting your ass kicked, but when it's your turn to kick ass, we want to see you come forward and we want to see you hit hard, and Liger certainly doesn't let the crowd down. Liger hits Kanemoto with a drop kick to his knee and then goes for a figure four leg lock of his own. Uh, we see Otani outside encouraging Kanemoto to reach the ropes. And then when Kanemoto does, he Otani immediately gets on the ref to break the hold. I have to say, Shichiro Otani, whether he's in the ring wrestling or he's outside seconding, is fucking amazing. I love this man. He's so switched on and he's so invested. And that, that j- just adds more drama to the match because... You could very easily, and you see it all the time, that there are tag team partners who are just sitting on the apron, bored while their their partner gets his ass kicked. And here is Otani sitting on the outside, a match that he's not even a part of. He's not teaming with Kanemoto here. He's just there as his second. But he's so invested in what's going on in the ring, and he he's living or dying by whether Kanemoto can overcome Liger. And like you said, right on top of the referee, making sure that he breaks the hold and doesn't get away with anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's great. Liger immediately uh, gets up and plants his feet into Kanemoto's stomach. Another fuck you to him. <laughs> he then tries to murder Kanemoto with a powerbomb. Another fuck you. And that sees <laughs> Kanemoto's head bounce off the mat. Ouch. That looked like it really sucked. Have you ever been powerbombed and your head bounced off the mat, Davis? Yes. I uh, I remember very vividly wrestling uh, the smashing machine Chris Vice, who wrestles over in Japan now for zero one part of the voodoo murderers and i i just yeah he he powerbombed me and i i stood up afterwards to try and move towards him and i just remember my legs buckling under me afterwards an incredibly strong man but that that powerbomb from liger very uh benoit-esque for mine yeah it's kind of like when benoit would you know routinely powerbomb eddie guerrero on tv and i was just like I think they're supposed to be friends, these two. But anyways, uh, Liger tries to uh, suplex Kanemoto to the outside, but uh, Kanemoto blocks it with a couple of hard slaps and a spinning heel kick that launches Liger to the barrier. So Liger's actually on the apron. He's outside of the ring. Uh, Liger reverses an Irish whip and sends Kanemoto into the barrier, and he follows up with a beautiful capo kick, one of his signature moves. And and I, I got to say, I don't know... 
like what it is about like when Liger just you know peppers his matches with like signature moves like the Tilt World Backbreaker, the Romero Special, the Shotes. But I'm a big fan of the Capo Kick for some reason. Whenever I see him do it, it just makes me feel so happy. Absolutely, it's it's been a trademark of his for years and years, and yeah, there's there's something very it's graceful, but it's still very aggressive that he's he's uh, and you, I think we've seen a lot of people do it very badly, but uh, there have been very few that have imitated it well. I think Loki maybe being one of those as as someone who's been able to imitate it well, but. Yeah, a real staple of Liger's offense over the years. Liger then hits a brain buster that Davis, I swear to God, I think Kanemoto's head hit the concrete instead of the blue padding. Holy fuck. I cringed so hard. I had no idea how he was going to get up from this because it it would have been bad enough on those thin blue mats on the outside. This is, this is not uh, modern pro wrestling mats on the outside, uh, WWE mats on the outside these are barely there thin blue mats and i thought that would be bad enough and then they they completely seem to miss the mats and kanemoto's head just seems to crash into the concrete and i thought he was dead and i know i i did hear you talking about the the trope of the the 19 count in in the current Gato booking, but I thought that this, <laughs> if any move deserved the 19 count, this was certainly it. Oh, definitely. Like like as you're saying, like Kanemoto is able to get back into the ring by the 19 count. Of course, if this was modern New Japan, this would have been like you know the the third or fourth you know like uh, 19 count spot you would have seen throughout the show. But if I'm sure this was the only time it was done <laughs> on this particular show, so it meant a lot more. But but obviously, yeah, it works because you think Kanemoto's brain has been split open by this brain buster, literally a brain buster, if if his head did indeed make contact with the uh, with the concrete instead of the blue mats. Uh, Liger charges at Kanemoto, but uh, Kanemoto catches Liger with a beautiful belly-to-belly overhead suplex that just sends Liger flying and just stuns him. It's, it's one of those, it's one of Kanemoto's signature moves that I love seeing. Same. It's it's to me. It's the best belly to belly I've I've seen. It's he he gets such great purchase on it, but he's still. Uh, I know people have uh, criticized the Rock over the years that his just kind of look like a, a nipple rub as he as they floated over his head. Kanemoto's is just a thing of beauty. He gets he gets a great hold of them, great height with the hips, and and really gives Liger a, a throw here. Kanemoto follows up with more kicks and and hits his second rope uh, twisting senton onto Liger. Uh, A couple of punches to Liger in the corner. Kanemoto uh, steps uh, out to the middle and charges back in, but Liger hits him with a vicious clothesline. This was great. Uh, Liger then hits an avalanche fisherman buster. Oh, my God. For the one, two. Oh, my God. He kicks out, Davis. Yeah, this this felt like it was going to be the finish. It was it was such a huge moment. They had such great momentum, a, a beautiful build from the from the time Liger started his comeback. We're just escalating, 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 and and this felt like the moment that and and the crowd really bought on it too. That this uh, this huge avalanche fisherman buster, and I can't explain exactly what it is, but there's just something about the way Kanemoto bounced off the ring this seemed particularly painful particularly stiff um but yeah 
amazing 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 reaction we're, we're not done so they get back to the top and Liger hits a Frankensteiner on Kanemoto then he hits a release German suplex that sends Kanemoto feet over ass like literally this man like folded over from the from the sheer power and velocity of the su- German suplex that Liger hit him like fuck Brock Lesnar Liger was uh, suplex city before, <laughs> before Brock Lesnar came along you know what I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, it, I don't think this was something that we we saw much in this age either. Um, very innovative, and yeah, it looked it looked painful. Yeah, from here, uh, like just this, the, the escalation of this match, Liger goes for a brainbuster, but thankfully K- Kanemoto is able to block it. Liger then transitions to the La Magistral Cradle for a one, two, a. Th- uh, kicks and then uh, Kanemoto escapes. So now Liger's just busting everything out because this is one of his finishers. Actually, people might not realize this, but the La Magistral Cradle, like a move that was kind of popularized in Japan by by Ultimo Dragon, was something that Liger adopted for himself to great success. But like Kanemoto is not giving up. Like I'm not gonna say he's not giving up easily because like my God, he's taking a hell of beating after like the 12 minute assault he had on Liger earlier in the match. He is now like. You know, like he's he's giving his body to Liger to just like get punished. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's getting all of his comeuppance, and I think the the way that they've they've structured it's so clever, and the way that they've wrestled that you know Kanemoto is is uh, constantly laying into Liger with the strikes, and he's very strike heavy. And then when Liger comes back, it's with these big moves. There, there are still moments of, of great contact through the strikes, like the, the clothesline that you referred to and the, the shotes are very physical. But it, it's, to me, it's more Liger is looking for these, these home run shots, the, the avalanche fisherman, the, uh, although obviously it's not a power move, but the going to the Mahastral, which really stood out to me as well, that, you know, it was for him, it was a fairly well-protected finish that uh, he it, it got a great reaction in this moment. Um, and then Kanemoto a- able to survive through all of these, these big moments that you felt like if he could just get a small run on that the match was his for the taking, which is exactly what happens in this, this next stretch as, as Kanemoto hits a Liger bomb of his own, then a release Tiger suplex, and then follows that up with a beautiful moonsault. And, you know, there, to me, the, the moonsault has been way overdone over the, over the years. Koji Kanemoto has one of the most graceful moonsaults of all time. And he, he gets high. There's a beautiful arc on it. And he actually lands with some contact. He's not just brushing over the guy as, as he passes. There's actual contact in the moonsault. And uh, that just made for an incredible near fall, where I, where I think everyone thought he had survived through all these huge moments from Liger, and this was his match for the taking now. Oh, yeah. So from this, you know, like this the spot that you just called, the, the release Tiger suplex, and then he goes for a moonsault. There's a big, you know, like it's a two count. One, two. And... At the same time, you can see the camera's position. So you can see Shinjiro Otani counting along with the ref. And then this huge look of disappointment when Liger kicks out. Just an absolute thing of beauty that just just adds so much to the story. Because to, 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 to me as a viewer, as a fan, for me, I, like, I'm now invested in Otani because he's invested in his his ally, his friend in beating one of his rivals in Jushin Thunder Liger. So now I feel like I want to like, 
like it's a team effort. It's like this collective that wants to beat Liger, and like it's not just Kanemoto's feelings that are on the line. It's also Otani's. Yeah, Kanemoto has a very small, but it, it really caught my eye. He has a really small exchange with the referee there too, where he just. You know, he for the most part he didn't really acknowledge the referee throughout the entire match. But just after that, after that near fall, he just has a moment where he wanders over and is just asking the question that that you know that was three, that was three, no, no, that was two. But it's it's such a cool little moment of just there's not this. Uh, Otani is the one selling the absolute disbelief, but just Kanemoto is such a cool character that just any sort of acknowledgement from him. It, it just gave you this, the tiniest little element of, of self-doubt there in that moment of, of whether he was wondering whether or not he could beat Liger. So Kanemoto goes for another moonsault, but Liger moves out of the way and Kanemoto plants himself face first into the mat. I just was laughing so hard when I saw this move happen. Uh, uh, both uh, both men uh, come uh, come out twice uh, with slaps to the face at, at the same time, so they're like charging at each other and they slap each other at the same time. Uh, Liger connects with a third one that knocks Kanemoto down. Liger hits the running Liger bomb, but you know, Kanemoto somehow kicks out it too. This is this is just like turning into like it, it feels more like an all Japan like 1990s match. Like it's, it's something a, a style that you were saying that you were a big fan of as as well as uh, like the junior heavyweight style of New Japan, but something. Something that I'm a huge fan of as well. It's something that we share is this, is this similar love of the New Japan Junior Heavyweight style and the All Japan Heavyweight style of the 1990s. And I, I think that certain certain characters definitely help bring that out, bring that to life too. And, and Kanemoto is definitely one of those who who uh, he he hits hard. And but the, Liger's like I said before, Liger's sort of this perfect offset to him that they're they're wrestling in two completely different styles but they're but there's just this escalation throughout the entire match of of how where what point do i have to go to 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 win this match um there's this beautiful moment for me right before that exchange you talked about with the with the consecutive slaps where the or the simultaneous slaps sorry where liger's just crawling towards kanemoto and you know, again, this might just be me as a, as a huge fan of Liger's, just sort of trying to trying to put too much into this moment. But they're just his his body language and the way that he carries himself in these moments. There's such a there's there's a resilience to the way that he's crawling towards him. There's a defiance in the way that he's crawling towards him of, of just you know I've I've been through so much at this point uh, and. He seems to take a moment to sort of because Kanemoto misses the moonsault and then you'll notice he almost he almost pops back up to his feet and then he notices Liger's down and crawling towards him and he just kind of grabs his knee and starts selling his knee a bit and Liger is just taking his time in this moment and just letting this letting this moment really breathe and I I feel like this is giving the crowd one last chance to catch their breath before this final little sprint to the finish. And, and we're going to come up to the finish here. There's uh, two short-range shotes from Liger to keep Li- to keep Kanemoto in the corner. Liger runs to the opposite corner. He charges back in and just waylays Kanemoto with a running shote. <laughs> Holy shit. And, and Davis, what, what follows uh, after that uh, beautiful running shote? 
He takes Kanemoto up to the top rope, lifts him up above his head and lands a beautiful-looking avalanche brain buster for the one, two, three. Yeah, so that's the finish, an avalanche brain buster. I don't know too many people who can make an avalanche brain buster look so dangerous and effective, but I'm sure Liger being who he is, he is completely protecting Kanemoto in this spot. This this is just two masters of what they do, doing what they do, and th- this finish is indicative of that. Like you said, the the Avalanche Brain Buster definitely definitely to me as a wrestler more dangerous than the Fisherman's Buster, where you you kind of have a greater level of protection there in in the way that you you connect on it. But the the Brain Buster to me just a, a heightened sense of of danger there and expertly delivered by Liger. This. This felt like a big moment. This felt like a finish and uh, a fitting finish to an incredible match. I had to think that, you know, maybe you can speak on this as a wrestler. Like, if you're on the receiving end of just a regular brain buster, like a straight vertical drop, that you really have to trust the skill of the person performing the move on you. But I can't even imagine, like, the, the amount of trust that you would have to have in someone to do it from the top rope. And we're not talking, like, I, I don't think it was, like, a second rope. He would... They were both on the top, and he's just coming straight down. I, like it looks like he's driving the man's head, you know, with the full velocity of both men, men's weight right to the mat. So, like, what if you were presented this spot from like Liger, like someone like Liger in his prime? Do you, do you have the trust to to say yes? I you can do that move. That can be the finish of our match. I think you do. I think you do, particularly to someone like a Liger. So. You know, we we see we see in wrestling across the world how how often guys are pushing the boundaries these days, and how much trust they're able to put in in other people. And I think uh, I think the the standard of of wrestling across the world, I think, has definitely you know grown exponentially over the years. But um, you know, some somebody who is such a a renowned professional as Liger, I think. You would pretty much trust. I remember, and I always mess this quote up. Wh, uh, <laughs> so, and you know, this very much could have just been a quote made up for a, a Mark Mag that I read as a kid, or or something of this nature. But I remember reading once that Liger said, "For every minute you spend in a match, you should spend an hour training." So that's the kind of guy. If I'm gonna get an avalanche brainbuster from someone, that's the guy that I want to get it from. The guy who says that for every minute he spends. On a show, he needs to spend an hour in the gym. That's the guy that I want to take it from, for sure. Well, definitely, you know, even at the age of 55, he looks like he spends an inordinate amount of time in the gym. Just in incredible physical shape when Jushin Liger, Thunder Liger, even in the year 2019. So so Liger retains his J-Crown title at in 19 minutes and 26 seconds. Just And the crowd at the finish of this, just, they just erupted. They were just so well into it. It, it felt like you know the kind of match they would have seen maybe in the g1 finals because like you know g1 finals are obviously were mostly held in sumo hall so it this kind of this match felt like had that kind of epic feel by by the time liger gets his like control segment he gets his his fire back his heat back from kanemoto after the first 11 minutes or so in the match it, it just it just it's just turned on and it just becomes this like grandiose exhibition of like like uh, sheer technical prowess and and ver- viciousness and ferocity i suppose like like between these two men 
Yeah, you can you can feel that there's a professional and personal rivalry between the two throughout the match and just the the way that Kanemoto comes out and asserts himself early in the match and you know we're not we're not used to seeing Jushin Liger just get his ass handed to him for 11 or 12 minutes and that's essentially what happens at the start of this match is just Kanemoto is just all over him smothering him he doesn't have a he doesn't have a chance to get a foothold in the match and once he does, once once Kanemoto opens that door with that Miss Moonsault, Liger is able to to immediately make a, a big impact on Kanemoto, and then they work back to this this level where they're almost back at level pegging, and then the brainbuster on the floor, and you feel like the the tide is swinging again. Just a beautiful roller coaster of a match, and that you know the 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 escalation once. Once Liger gets a foothold in this match is is really incredible. That last seven to eight minutes is just outstanding professional wrestling. Yeah, and so we'll wrap up the the show the match review here. But uh, before we go, Davis, uh, I want to ask you. So as of this recording, we we just found out what uh, Liger's last ever pro wrestling match will be on January fifth, two thousand twenty, at the Tokyo Dome for uh, night two of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom uh, series of shows, and it will be him teaming with his old rival Naoki Sano in a tag team match against uh, uh, Ryu Lee, the former Dragon Lee, and Hiromu Takahashi. And I have to ask you, like, what what are your feelings about that being his last ever match? For myself, I I was a little disappointed because i was hoping for and i was kind of expecting some kind of singles match to be honest it was definitely a surprise and i think part of that is also maybe that for me personally i don't uh, it's it's more the story that i'm coming for that you know when when rick flair retired there was uh, well he's retired many times but when he when he retired against Shawn michaels there was such a beautiful story to be told and then when Sean retired against Undertaker, there's such a beautiful story to be told that um, I, I will say it was hard to think of an immediate name that that uh, jumped off the page as being the guy who would make the most sense to have a singles match with Liger in his last match. I I was actually probably a little disappointed as as such a huge fan of Minoru Suzuki. I, I was probably a little disappointed that that feud peaked when it did and perhaps didn't carry through to the Tokyo Dome where I felt like they really could have done something really special together, that he is the Suzuki is the perfect bully character to, to see Liger on his way out. He's, he's the ultimate heel to, to have to overcome. So I, I thought that would have been a really beautiful story to, to tell on his last night as a professional wrestler. But, you know, I think it's, it's going to be emotional regardless, just because I don't imagine that, uh, the fans are certainly going to be behind Liger 100% on that night. But, yeah, I just uh, I probably feel like a more personal story that we could have attached to would have been nice. Yeah, and, you know, re- regardless of, like, how I, I feel about the announcement, I, I am fortunate enough to going to be in attendance to, to see his last ever wrestling match. Uh, and I'm going to appreciate that fact alone. And, and I'm, I'm lucky enough. I'm going to be attending like, uh, you know, the uh, new year's dash show, which is going to feature his retirement ceremony. And I feel lucky to not only have gotten tickets for a new year's, new year's dash show, but that I'm going to be able to say, and you know, like, Hey, I was at his 
retirement ceremony. So like I'm gonna appreciate that that night as well. So like I'm I'm very excited about the you know the upcoming uh, New Japan shows uh, in the uh, first week of of uh, January in 2020. And uh, any plugs for you? I guess for, on that note, we'll wrap the show up. Uh, any plugs from you, Davis? Um, nothing, nothing huge. No, we've, um, we've got, we're running a EPW super camp at our training school, the EPW school of pro wrestling that's running from January 6th to January 10th. I'm not sure when, when the podcast will be out, but, uh, that'll be run by myself, Damian Slater and Gavin McGavin. So we've got uh, quite a few people traveling from around the country to, to come and train under us, uh, for that week. And then We'll be running a showcase at the school on the last evening that the the guys and girls are there, so that we'll be able to see them uh, pay their training off in the ring for for an exciting match. Hopefully, uh, our next our next show isn't until early February. Our, our big show proper, which we hold in a venue called the Gate One Theatre here in Claremont in Western Australia. But if people want to check me out, just check out Explosive Pro Wrestling. Uh, they can check out Vimeo.com, Explosive Pro Rest, backslash Explosive Pro Wrestling, where all of our events go up. And I'm just EPW Davis Storm across the main social platforms. And are there any, like, you know, things you can hint at in 2024 EPW? Um, we're looking at getting some, some big names out here. So we, we tested the water. We, we've never been one to really use internationals in the past. So for the first, uh, 17 years of our history, we've, we've not really used internationals for explosive pro wrestling. So we had our good friend TJP out here last year, and that was a, a fairly successful venture. So, uh, there are some, there are some big names that we're looking at, including a, uh, an exciting name from from Japan, who I am a, a huge fan of for many, many, many years, and have stolen uh, many, many techniques from this man's repertoire. So I'm hoping we can get him out there. That's all hush hush at the moment, but that's hopefully hopefully something very exciting to look forward yeah, to. Well, well, maybe I uh, I can get the scoop for uh, just my own. I may not I'm not going to put any pressure on you you don't have to tell me anything you don't want to but uh, that sounds exciting definitely uh, check out Davis on Twitter check out uh, Explosive Pro Pro Wrestling out of Perth Uh, it's a very fun promotion that I've gotten to check out some of the shows on on Vimeo and when I had a subscription to High Spots there's some shows up there as well Uh, thank you so much Davis for joining me again on on another show that I've been doing here on Thunderstruck of course you were on Cruel Summer, and you and I had done a, a, a review of one of the New Japan shows from uh, from uh, California. I forget, you know, I, I can't even remember the name of that show, but it was a very well received uh, review show. <laughs> I got a lot of positive feedback on it, and uh, maybe on my new secret show uh, that I'm not ready to talk about just yet in 2020, I will hit you up for uh, do a review with me on 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 that show in the in the coming year. Absolutely. I, I always appreciate talking to you, WH. It's always a fun chat and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the post-wrestling platform, which I'm a huge fan of and a, a regular listener myself. 
Yeah, so on behalf of Davis, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning into this episode, and I want to thank all the listeners for uh, the positive feedback I've been getting on the series so far. We got we got several more episodes uh, as of this recording. This was this will be probably episode number twenty. So I think we got like about five or six more episodes. It's kind of uh, mercurial, you know. There's no unlike Cruel Summer. There's no set, you know. There's no set number of episodes that we can do because it's just covering the man's entire career, but. Uh, keep keep uh, tuned in for some a lot more episodes and some really great guests coming on after Dave's episode. And until the next episode, then I will say to everyone, goodbye. Goodbye.